John chapter 1. Starting in verse 12. John 1, 12 says, Yet to all who received Him, this is Jesus, to those who believed in His name, in Jesus, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And his last few Sundays together, we have really celebrated really the core of who we are in Christ at the very beginning when we placed our faith in Jesus, not just said a prayer, but put our full weight, our full being in Jesus as Savior and Lord, that we learned that we are what? What's that R word that we learned? Regenerated. Regenerated. Born again. Born again. And it's it's very important, these words, uh, I want to encourage you, we're going to come back to it at the end. Words as a believer are, are, are absolutely vital. Absolutely vital. How many of you would say you're a Christian? What does that mean? Well, I'm a follower of Christ, right? I believe Jesus, right? Sometimes, nothing wrong with saying I'm a Christian, but if someone were to take you the further step, well, what does that mean? Your words would be very important. And, and that's why over the last three, three and a half years, we spend times on words. Some of you been, were with me when we went through a whole series on adoption. Some of you were with me when we went through the whole series on what does the word salvation mean. Some of you, we went through the whole series on justification. How many here are justified? Which means what? Okay, good. See, so you remembered. You are declared not guilty, fully righteous. That's justified, right? So you're declared what? Not guilty, which is a woohoo moment. But what takes it over the top is you're what? Declared fully righteous. Right? Fully righteous. Positionally, right, we get, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, so that means my sins are forgiven. Is that all? Okay, so you're morally neutral. You're just like, your slate's clean. Is that all that you are as a Christian? No, you are fully righteous. You're clothed in the righteousness of Christ, which means God, in God's eyes, you are what? Complete. Okay, right? Okay, see, see, I'm blessed right now because, you know, if you just were like, I have no clue what he's talking about. I'd have felt like three and a half years. Bill, we got to start all over, you know, right? So you're justified. Declared not guilty, fully righteous. So positionally you're in Christ, which means you are a saint in God's eyes, right? Turn to the person next to you and say, good morning, saint, whoever you're, right? You're a saint, right? You're justified, declared not guilty, fully righteous, right? Again, in God's eyes, you are complete, pleasing, yes, right? Something to... Right? Words are very important. Words are very important because oftentimes, I don't know about you, how many of you necessarily don't speak the nicest words to yourself about yourself? Who could you? Right? Anyone? Anyone? Right? Look in the mirror. Oh, I'm such an idiot. Right? Whatever you say to yourself. Right? And, and that's why we have to understand who we are in Christ, but not just our opinion, not just what the world says, but what? What the Bible says. 
absolutely important. So words are vital. So we, we saw the last two Sundays, you're regenerated. Not reformed. Not reformed, okay? We, 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 we dispelled that false notion that as a Christian, you're just trying to make yourself better than you were. No. You're regenerated with your new creation, which means what? You never existed before. That's awesome. New birth, new beginning, new creation. That's who you are, right? That's who you are. And so we're, we're, we're walking through these very important words, right? And we understood from last Sunday that, that being regenerated, you have a new relationship with God, right? In John 1.12, what we just read, it says, Yet to all who received and to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. So many of us in the church, if you've grown up with the church, you say God is our father, right? I'm a child of God, right? And yet, for many of us, okay, and, and we're going we're gonna to talk about this in a little bit. For many of us, if we're not careful, we can over filter our relationship with our heavenly father based on our relationship with our earthly fathers. We can overdo it. Now, I'm not saying that, that your relationship with your earthly dad doesn't impact you because that word father may trigger different things, good or not so good, okay? But here's the thing. As a Christian, as a believer, as one who believes in the authority and the truth of Scripture, we have to be very careful that we don't allow our experiences to supersede the Word of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. We're going to explain this in a little bit, but I want to encourage you today because sometimes I know, I know, you know, Father's Day and Mother's Day is a pastor. They're, they're, they're a little bit sensitive because we want to celebrate. But, but truth be known, in the brokenness of our culture, I understand that Mother's Day and Father's Day evokes different emotions much differently than it did a few decades ago and so when we celebrated in 2014 i'm I, i'm very sensitive to that and that's why i love these videos this one in particular and the, and the one we did for mother's day which was the same along the same vein but here's the thing this morning here's my heart this morning is that okay we're going to acknowledge that all of us uh, have experiences with our earthly fathers. Let's just acknowledge that, you know, some very good, maybe some not so good, maybe just not even existent. OK, I, let's acknowledge that we're not talking about burying our head in the sand. We're not talking about discounting that or anything like that. But what I want to encourage you this morning is to say, OK, Lord, I had these experiences at the human level. But now, Lord, I want you, I want to learn biblically what it means when I call you father. Okay, because we need to allow the word of God to be the source, the authority, the foundation of our relationship with God, not our experiences. Do you understand what I'm saying? Many people get stuck in their relationship with God and not just in, as a father, but in different areas. But they get stuck in their relationship with God. And if you ask them, what's wrong with your relationship? What they got? Well, when I was little. Well, even, even, even our relationship with God gets impacted by good, bad, or whatever relationships in other churches. Right? And we carry that forward into our relationship with God. So this morning, I want to encourage us, 
Yes, we all had experiences with God and, 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 and I mean, with, with our earth, earthly dads and other churches and all that. But let's, let's keep our earthly experiences where they need to be. Okay? And that's a choice you're going to have to make. That's a choice you're going to have to make. I shared with you before my relationship with my own father. Great provider. I know my dad loved us dearly and worked hard up at 4 a.m. As, as long as I can remember. I remember him waking up with my mom 4 a.m., going out the door to work. But I've shared with you the truth, you know. My dad never, I can't remember him verbally saying, I love you to me. You know, verbalizing that. He, he was just wasn't a touchy-feely kind of guy, right? And initially, as a Christian, when I went to these men's small groups and these Christian men were touchy-feely, I was like, why are you touchy-feely me? You know what I mean? It's like... This is weird because I didn't grow up with that. And so I, when, I brought with, when I came to be a believer and I became a part of the body of Christ, these experiences, or lack of, affected me. And what I had to do, what I had to make a conscious choice was, okay, Lord, show me who you are. Show me how you relate to me. And then I had to be willing to take the risk to begin to operate according to biblical truth and not just my experiences. It was uncomfortable. I shared with the guys here, you know, the first time I start praying with men, they want to hold hands around the dinner table and pray. I'm like, what? Why are we holding hands? We're dudes. You know? This is weird. And yet I started to... God used those experiences, those uncomfortable situations to begin to break down my own walls that I had erected with other people. He said, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. They love you. I love you. It's okay. They're just, they just want to affirm each other by holding hands. And so it's a choice we make as we study Scripture. Sometimes the biggest challenge is to allow Scripture to be the authority over our experiences. You guys understand what I'm saying? And, and in this realm of fatherhood, God is Father, and the brokenness of our culture, and, and many, many of us carry wounds of broken promises and, and abandonment, and then we get angry, and we get hurt, and we're raging, and we don't even know we're raging. All of a sudden, Bill comes to you and says, hey, believe in Jesus, and God will be your Father. And you're like, what? That, I don't even, that doesn't even compute with me. And I understand that, and that's a great starting point, but we can't stay there. Let's acknowledge the experiences. Let's maybe share and discuss and work through them. But then let's say, hey, but then let's look at what God's Word says about this. Amen? That, that's where we have to move if we're going to continue to grow and mature as believers. You say, Lord, everything in me feels this. Everything in me creates this, based on my experiences, creates this vibe. But Lord, is this in line with Scripture? And sometimes, you know, it takes a, one dear friend that will speak the truth. And they will say, hey, I got that, man. But let me show you what God's about. And so what, what God does in a supernatural way, He teaches us truth, and then He surrounds us with brothers and sisters to make the truth real. How did I, how did I learn God's fatherhood? Through older Christian men who loved me and, and were, cared about my life and asked me about my life and let me vent and let me be real and let me... 
all the things I didn't grow up with, suddenly within the body of Christ, I get it. And through others, God teaches me about Him. Right? Jesus, you know, one of Jesus' disciples said, Hey, Jesus, show us the Father and we'll believe. And He says, Hey, 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 have I been with you so long? You don't get it. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The principle is this. If we're going to understand Scripture, sometimes at the human level, God uses those around you. So turn to that person next to you and go, hmm, right? Hmm, right? Right? God's going to use those around you to teach you Him, about Himself, right? So, in the Old Testament, the word Father is used, right? Deuteronomy 32, 6, you don't have to turn there, says, In this way you repay the Lord, O foolish and unwise people. Is He not your Father, your Creator, who made you and formed you? Psalms 89, 26, He will call out to me, You are my Father, my God, the rock of my Savior. The difference in the Old Testament when God has used His Father was there was a sense of formality. Sense of formality had that authority structure. So they called Him Father... But it was very positional, very authoritative, like, kind of like, you know, uh, George Washington is the father of our country, right? Kind of like, yeah, you know, that's a, that, that, that's a title he carries and it's special, but there's no intimacy, right? So in the Old Testament, that you'll see the word father referring to God, but it was sort of formal, authoritative, you know, it was still very this, you know, very this, right? And like I said at the beginning of service, the, the crazy thing is Jesus shows up in the New Testament, right? And uh, let's just turn to John 10. We'll just turn a few pages to the right. John 10. Verse 27. Jesus is talking. He says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Jesus shows up. And that phrase, I and the Father are one, he's just not talking about him being deity, him being God. He's ta- he says, I and the Father, we're as close as you can get. And the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders, just flipped out. You're talking God? Yahweh? Father from the Old Testament? Now you're saying you're one with him? I mean, we, we, take this, we take this relationship of God as our Father for granted sort of because we've grown up in the church and we've heard it so much, right? Jesus' words just were crazy, right? That's, you know, I shared this before. That's like Steve walking up and down, you know, the arcade here, not just claiming to be God. Can you imagine that? Right? Steve walking up and down the arcade, claiming to be God. But then some, you know, then drawing a crowd here in Libby. And he says, oh, and by the way, God and me, we're one. Right? We would think that that was kind of crazy out there. 
Imagine in the context, the Jewish listeners were like, what is he saying? Radical, right? He, he brings this God is way out there all the way to, you know, God, God, we're one, we're tight. We're, you can't even get any tighter, right? And then turn to Mark. Matthew, Mark, Mark 14. Mark 14, verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Right? So Jesus, in his perhaps his greatest moment of need, addresses God as Abba. As Abba. Right? And this word Abba, it's a term of informal intimacy, respect by children of their fathers. Right? We would call it Papa or Daddy. Probably the best word for us in our culture is to understand Abba is Daddy. Is Daddy. Right? Okay, this little definition for it. it says, Jesus and the disciples read Hebrew in the synagogue, but in everyday speech and preaching used a closely related language, Aramaic. In Aramaic, Abba is a word derived from baby language. As the rabbi said, a, smile, a small child learns to say Abba, Daddy, and Imam, Mommy. All right, so it's baby language. Right? That's, this is where this comes from, right? And I think I shared with you before when my oldest, Layla, was learning how to talk. I was kind of competitive. So I wanted her to say daddy first. Right? Say daddy, daddy. When Nadine is not around, daddy, daddy, say daddy, say daddy. Right? And then, you know, of course, everyone refers to her as mommy, right? And so, you know, one day I said, say daddy, say daddy. And what did she do? She mixed daddy and mommy and she called me dummy for like, say daddy, hi, dummy. Dummy's home. Bye, dummy. You know, and just, right? Right? So, so it's like this, this baby language, right? Say daddy. Say, say Abba. Say mom, right? So that's, that's where it derives from. Abba is that little, the little child who sees their parent and has that word. Abba. Right? Think of the, think of the tenderness. Think of the relationship, that, the, the innocence of that. That's, 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 that's where this comes from, Right? And it says, in the pre-Christian era, the usage of the word broadened so that Abba, as a form of address to one's father, was no longer restricted to children, but also used by adult sons and daughters. The childish character of the word daddy thus receded, and Abba acquired the warm, familiar ring, which we may feel in such an expression as dear father. So what started out is something that a little child would say, over time became just this term of endearment of adult children to their parents. That's what we're talking about here. That's what we're talking about here. And, and, and that's, that's the challenge, right? That, that, that heartfelt just, oh, daddy, or oh, dear father, or mom. That, that heart connection 
the challenge of, of understanding that and experiencing that in our culture is just that our culture has just been so broken and devastated by sin. And, and so what, it, rather than being open and just wanting to embrace and, and, and throw your arms around and say, Oh, Daddy! We do this. We're, we're, we're very hesitant. We're very scared. We're, we're, we're angry. We're like, no, no, I, uh, you know. Why? why? Because cause we've been wounded. We've been, we've been let down. We've been, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And so biblically, this is where this word comes from, where God as our Father wants us as His children to literally come to Him like that little child and say, Papa, Daddy. See, and this is where one of the, you know, Bill is very good on disciplines. And, and one of the disciplines, the spiritual disciplines that he encourages us, and we're all encouraged to do, is pray, right? And, and to have quiet times. Why is that? Why should we pray? Develop intimacy. See, around here we get that, you know, we're maybe afraid how we're going to look. We don't want to look corny. We don't want people to, right? But here's the great thing about quiet time. You close your door in the privacy of wherever you're going to pray. You say, Abba, Daddy. And you just start. What did Jesus say? When you pray, our Father. See, it begins in the quietness of your quiet time. If, 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 if you're struggling with, with developing this intimacy, this Abba relationship with Father, I encourage you, start at home by yourself. That's where I, I had to. Are you kidding me? I was, I was so wired the other way to say Daddy and, and Papa and Abba to God. There was no way I was going to do that anywhere but in my room when the house was empty. And I think I still closed my door even though no one was home. Because it was just like so new. But in that daily repetition and in that daily time with God whether it was listening to music and God used some powerful songs worship songs that spoke of his love for me as a father God used some powerful people and God used some really some powerful just times of me just sitting there and honestly talking to him like I was his child and I just didn't have it all together and I was scared and I was confused and I was hurt and I didn't understand the Bible fully, and, and it was also new to me. And it was in the quiet moments where I said, Daddy, okay? And then, of course, you come out in public and you pray all really good. Lord God! You know, and you, you use all these big words, but I encourage you, begin at home. Or in the privacy of your car, or wherever you are. See what using the word Abba does to your relationship. Remember I told you words are very important? Don't just say, dear God. I challenge you this week. I challenge you before you go to bed tonight. Refer to him as Abba. And see what starts to happen in your heart. And if that's difficult, it's okay then you just sit and you be quiet. And you tell him why it's difficult. And you know what the great thing is? Remember, you come to the throne of grace, you don't get criticism, what do you get? 
compassion and understanding. Lord, dear God, I mean Abba, I mean Father, I mean Abba, I'm just really having a hard time catching this. And you know what he's going to do? Okay, let's just sit together. I'm just going to, let's just sit. Just read my word. Just listen to this song. It's okay. Because that's what an Abba does. Right? So I, I, I challenge you, I encourage you, begin your prayer. Begin using the word Abba in your prayer time and see what it does to your heart. That's who he is. Biblically, that's who he is. Right? Amen? Right? Turn to Romans 8. Let's see. Here we go. Romans 8. This is where we have to choose Scripture over experience. We have to choose Scripture over experience. Okay? Romans 8. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to what? Fear. But you received the spirit of sonship. In the New King James Version, I love the word, it says the spirit of adoption. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. You see, you may not have the words. You may say, okay, Father, based on the truth, you said it here in Romans 8.15, right? By him we cry, Abba, Father. I, right now where I'm at, Lord, is I can only base it on your word that I'm going to cry, Abba, Father. But look at what it says. The Spirit himself testifies with what? Our spirit that we are God's children. You know what that means? It means you may say it just because it's God's truth, but you've got to let the Holy Spirit make it real to you then. The Spirit in you will bear witness to your spirit that that's who you are. And it may take some time. You may have to, you may have to, because it says, you know, we're not, a, we're not a spirit, a slave again to fear. And quite honestly, entering in this Abba relationship with God may just be fearful based on your human experiences. But according to God's word, we're not given us, we're not a slave to fear. What? We're his children. So I want to encourage you. Okay. It's, it, it, acknowledge your experiences. Acknowledge, tell God. Where you're at. That's the great thing about being his children. Amen. That's the great thing. Lord, I'm scared to death. Lord, I'm angry. Lord, I'm confused. Lord, I. ah, This is tough. This Abba thing. You're not going to tell him anything. I probably didn't tell him at some point. And then he's going to say, yeah, yeah, it's going to take some time. But you got to trust. You got to trust me. You got to trust his word. And then and then. He's going to bring people in your life to make the word real. Not perfect, but real. People that are going to love you. People that are going to spiritually father you and shepherd you and teach you what it means when we call God our Abba. Okay? But this is where, okay guys, this is where I'm telling you, you're born again. You get what I'm saying? You see how it all ties together? He says we're to walk in newness of life. And sometimes what happens is we politely dismiss that. Okay, yeah, I'm born again. Yeah, I'm I'm supposed to be a new creation. Yeah, I have the Holy Spirit. But God, I've always been this way. 
And then we just carry on the way we used to be. A little better. See, we got to get past that, guys, in the church. we got to take God's Word for God's Word. Amen? we just got to receive it as truth. Acknowledge the struggles. Acknowledge where you're, like, resistant. Acknowledge where your personal experiences are, like, creating that, that revolt, maybe. And then you got to walk through that. That's where the newness comes from. That's where the, whoo, where your friends look at you like, what happened to you? It's when we are confronted with our old nature and it's when we're confronted with our old experiences and we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit according to God's Word, that's when you experience newness of life. You get what I'm saying? You can't do it by osmosis. It's not going to happen just by reading a book or just by coming to church or just by... There's going to come a point where God's going to say, get out of the boat. He's going to say, come, Wes. Wes is going to say, Jesus, is that you? Am I really a new creation? And, and, he, and Yeah, come on, Wes, get out of the boat. Oh, really? And when you do, and you take these little baby steps, oh my gosh, there it is. Ah! Amen? That, that's what it is. Okay, so, Abba. Use it. Begin to use the word Abba. Now, here's a, here's, a, here's a help for you, and it's going to be an introduction for where we're heading in the next few weeks. Remember I told you before we tend to base a lot of our relationship, maybe too much of our relationship this way with God based on our human stuff, right? Well, this is the way I was raised, and this is the, so God must be that way. Let me ask you something. If God is our Abba, Papa, Daddy, can we be sure that he's not going to let us down? How can we throw our, own, our arms open wide again and embrace him with no fear? Okay, we'll pick up next week. And <laughs> <you're> like, <laughs> how, how is that possible? Is, that, is it going to be willpower? No. It's not going to be willpower. Trust. What is the basis of our trust going to be, though? Faith. Faith in what? His word. What does his word say about him? Okay, if you're cheating, it's on your outline right underneath there on the back side, right? There's that last little dot. begins with a C. Covenant. Everybody say covenant. Covenant. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We have all these experiences. We acknowledge the experiences are real at the human level, right? If we're going to be liberated and if we're going to be joyful and be willing to accept God at His Word and embrace Him fully as Abba, we have to understand covenant. You have got to understand covenant. That is what separates God from all our earthly experiences. See, many of us are shackled like this. And this, this is all of our earthly stuff. And it's real to us. How do you get free of this shackle? Relationally with God, you've got to understand the word covenant. You've got to understand the word covenant, right? 
And that's where we're going. Look in your, uh, I, I put some blanks there, right? So we'll fill them in really quick. This is all preview of where we're going next week. If Christianity is not a religion, but a relationship, what kind of relationship do you have with God? The first bullet point there, the first three, casual. The next to casual is convenient. Next to convenient is cultural. We're going to look at these a little more next week. What's your relationship with God? Is it just real casual? Is it at your convenience? Is it because you were raised in a church? It's cultural. Maybe it's the next one is crisis Christianity. Maybe your relationship with God is just based on when things are really bad. And then when things get kind of better, what happens? You kind of tend to disappear. Right? Maybe it's contractual. Contractual. A lot of us, and I've grown up in a ministry, I've had a lot of different church experiences. A lot of people go to churches based on contract. Based on contract. Well, as long as the church has a good children's program, as long as their worship team is good, as long as the pastor's not too boring, and they may have a, a men's ministry and a women's ministry, as long as the church fulfills its contractual duties to me, then I'll do my part. But as soon as I don't like or I think they broke their part of the deal, what happens? I'm out of here. See, that's in the church, but it's also in our relationship with God. A lot of us view our relationship with God. Well, God let me down. So, you know, you hear ever hear anyone say, I tried Christianity. I'm not sure what they mean, but if they mean that God let them down and didn't fulfill his end of the deal, so they checked out. It was a contract. We don't. We, it's not based on contract, okay? And then companion Christianity is your relationship with God. Companion, Jesus is just my buddy, my helper, right? And I can choose what I want to obey and not obey because He's just my best friend. You know, we're BFFs, and He understands when I'm disobedient, and He really didn't mean that there was a heaven and a hell. We're just friends. No, no, not really biblical, right? And then finally, covenant. Covenant Christianity. The Bible says we're in covenant with God. How can you embrace God as Abba despite all your human hurts on the basis of covenant? Wouldn't it be radical to have a human being that could never lie to you and would fulfill every promise they ever made. How many would like that? How many is sitting next to a person like that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, right? 100% had to tell the truth, 100%. Anything they said they were going to do, they would do without fail to perfection. How many would like a, someone like that in your life? How many would say, finally? How many would enjoy the peace, the security, the confidence that what that person said they meant and they were going to do? Amen? That's covenant. That's God. That's the relationship you're in with Him. It's covenant. It's not about me or you and what we think about Him. God in His Word tells us, I'm a covenant God. I'm a covenant God. I'm a covenant God. And over the next few weeks, we're going to learn what covenant means. And many of you, I pray, you're going to go... Despite all the times people lied to me, despite all the times they let me down, despite all the times they just straight up lied to my face, I'm in relationship with a covenant God. 
And there's my joy. And there's my peace. And there's my security. Because He's a covenant God. Amen? That's the freedom. That's the freedom that we will find when we understand covenant. Right? There's a, a wonderful quote on the bottom there. It says, The notion of a covenant is unfamiliar today. But the concept of covenant is utterly basic to our understanding of Scripture. In Old Testament times, this complex concept was a foundation of social order and social relations. And it was particularly the foundation for an understanding of humanity's relationship with God. We're going to understand the context of covenant in the Old Testament. We're going to see Jesus says what? He brought a what? New covenant. What does that mean? This is the new covenant in my blood. You've read that probably a bunch of times right before communion what is new covenant right what does it mean to be in covenant right we're going to look at this you know i I had a chance to uh, marry graham uh you know andrea a few weeks ago and and perhaps covenant we can best sort of picture it as a marriage the vows but even in our culture that is so fractured now that it's a contract mostly Marriage has become a contract, right? And I shared this with, with, with those two. I said a lot of times we look at marriage like post-it notes. Kind of looks like they're just stuck together, but it's a contract. And in the earthly terms, if, if we want to split, they're made to come apart. That's contract. When you super glue two post-its together, that's covenant. This is our relationship with God. We're in covenant. And we're going to begin to understand that over the next few weeks. And then you're going to understand, quite frankly, you may, I've been very honest with you and I'll continue to be honest with you. Where are we going in the next few weeks? We're going to talk about what it means to be in covenant with OVCF, with us. We don't use the word membership here. We use the word being in covenant. And you're going to understand why. Because we're in covenant biblically, individually with God this way. When you're in covenant with a local body... We are simply to help you with this. But we're in covenant. We're not in membership. You will not use, we do not use the word membership here. That is too much like Costco and the gym. I'm a member. Do you go to church? No. But I'm a member. I'm on the rolls. You, you get what I'm saying? The words are very important. We use the word covenant here. And we invite you. We encourage you to seek God about being in covenant with us here. In covenant. And what does that mean? I got a sheet of paper, 8.5 by 11, with names all the way from the top to the bottom of people who are in covenant here, who went through it the first time. And God has put on our heart through the rest of June, we're going to teach on covenant. It'll be a great reminder for everyone. But for those who are new to the church, we want to share with you what does it mean to be in covenant with this local body. But before we get this way with the local body, we're going to understand what covenant is biblically. Because here's the deal, guys. We can all go, Lord, Abba, I praise you that you're a covenant God. We're in covenant with him. He's not just a touchy-feely God. He loves us dearly. You know, the, the, the Bible is very emotional and very tender. But don't let that mask the truth of covenant. When you understand covenant, then you understand what it means to be super glued to God. That's awesome. And in that, you find your peace, your joy, and everything like that. Okay? So what we're going to do, Shiloh, we're not going to show that slide, but you can bring it down for the song. We're going we're gonna to close the message part with the song before communion. And this is, you guys can come up. This is a, a wonderful song. 
And remember, I, I challenged you before you put your head on the pillow tonight to use what word? Abba. 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 Right? And so we're going we're gonna to sing a song. It's a wonderful song. It's called He Knows My Name. And this song is a heart song. This song is about Abba knowing everything about you. This song is about Abba just wanting to love you. This song is about Abba saying, hey, you know what? I know this is kind of strange and this is kind of new and I know you've been hurt and wounded, but I'm your Abba. And would you just let this song be from me to you? Okay, so let's sing it together.